discuter de tout ça. I don't want to set the world on fire. We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Good evening, good afternoon, or good morning, whenever it may be, wherever you may be, and however you may be hearing my voice. Whether it be via download through one of the many podcast platforms, or if you are listening to the premiere on the Alternate Current Radio's live stream, I appreciate you tuning in and joining me as we attempt to navigate the shark-infested waters of the agenda-centivized media and look past the propaganda. This is your daily dose of what's currently all the ruckus. What in God's name is going on in here? What was that ruckus? Uh, what ruckus? I was just in my office and I heard a ruckus. Could you describe the ruckus, sir? Watch your tongue, young man. Watch it. SFGate reports that a father has been arrested on suspicion of child endangerment after he carried his two-year-old daughter into the elephant habitat at the San Diego Zoo to take a photograph with the animals. Zoo spokesman Andrew James said the man bypassed multiple barriers and quote purposely and illegally trespassed end quote into a habitat for Asian and African elephants. A witness video provided to NBC San Diego shows a man dropping the child as they flee the enclosure as a trumpeting elephant charged at them. The man picked up the toddler and was able to get her out safely. Police said the 25-year-old man wanted to take a photo with the African bull elephant. James said the elephants were not harmed. San Diego County jail records show Jose Manuel Navarrete was being held on $100,000 bail for investigation of child endangerment. A couple of witnesses told KSWB-TV that they heard a woman yelling, Jose, stop! before a man jumped the fence and threw the elephant enclosure. Quote, These guys right away were saying, That elephant is going to charge. And it did. We told him to get out, and he turned around, and he saw it, thankfully, just in time. He runs, throws his baby through the gate, and it's seconds from hitting him. He jumps through the gate, falls on the ground, and then it roared. The baby starts crying, and people were just mad at this guy. End quote. Police said that after Navarrete's arrest, the child went home with her mother. SFGate.com Now, I know what y'all are thinking. Why on earth am I opening up today with a story about an elephant? Well, actually, it's because recently, during a live episode of The Boiler Room, the flagship show of the Alternate Current Radio Network, a random user in the live show's chat found on the website kept asking if we were going to address the elephant in the room. And I kept thinking to myself, which one? And not only did it amaze me to think about just how many elephants in the room there are, I started worrying if there may have been a few of them that we missed. So just in case you, the listener, or that random chat member, missed anyone on the alternate current radio covering the so-called elephant in the room, and just in case there's any one of these elephants that I may have missed myself, I'm going to attempt to address as many of them as I can. You're listening to Alternate Current Radio, I'm Adam Clark, and this is The Daily Ruckus.
Now, before we get into the heavy stuff today, I hope y'all can forgive me for my first story pick. I just couldn't help myself. And neither could the Russian influencer who posed nude on top of an endangered elephant in Bali. As reported by the New York Post, a Russian Instagram influencer was forced to apologize after posing naked on top of an endangered elephant in Bali. Alicia Kathelnikova, 22, faced fierce backlash for posting a video from the photo shoot that showed her lying naked on top of a Sumatran elephant, according to The Sun. The since-deleted clip was captioned, quote-unquote, natural vibes, the report said. She later shared a picture with her 555,000 followers of herself in front of the animal, with the caption, quote, to love nature is human nature, end quote. The posts sparked outrage from some of her followers and from advocates working to save the critically endangered creatures. In a statement, the organization Save the Asian Elephants said, quote, yet another tragic trivialization of of the majestic Asian elephant when the species is fighting for its very existence against brutal abuse in tourism and human entertainment, end quote. The group also took to Twitter to slam the shoot as a, quote, crude stunt to exploit and humiliate Asian elephants for commercial gain, end quote. A representative for the Bali Tourism Board told The Sun that the photo shoot, quote, surely does not meet the norms that we are promoting as part of tourism in Bali, end quote. Kafelnikova later issued an apology saying she never meant to offend anyone and that she loves elephants. Quote, it is a pity that people see this as vulgarity and not as a beauty and love for nature, she wrote on Instagram. My intention with these pictures was to show you that I love and respect animals and especially elephants more than anything, end quote. The influencer added that the shoot was private and quote, didn't have a purpose to hurt the feelings of local people at all, end quote. She wrote, quote, We love Balinese culture and respect Indonesian rules. Please sorry if you see something else in this, end quote. NYPost.com You know, Asian elephants aren't the only endangered species, especially these days. Pretty soon we might be able to add to that list school children. Yep, you heard me right. As reported on The Guardian, across the world, 800 million children are still not fully back in school, UNICEF is warning. With many at risk of never returning to the classroom, the longer closures go on. There are at least 90 countries where schools are either closed or offering a mix of remote and in-person learning. The UN agency's chief of education, Robert Jenkins, told The Guardian that the closures are part of quote-unquote unimaginable disruption to children's education. He says, quote, I didn't imagine the scale of the closure when schools shut last year, and I didn't imagine it going on for so long. In all our scenario planning for disruption, this possibility was never raised. At the peak of the pandemic, 1.6 billion children were not in school, and here we are a year later, and 800 million are still suffering partially or fully disrupted education. There are a lot of lessons that need to be drawn, and one is the impact that prolonged school closures 
closures have on children, end quote. A new COVID-19 global education recovery tracker from UNICEF, the World Bank, and Johns Hopkins University is monitoring closures across the world, analyzing where children are learning at home or at school. Humanitarian organizations say the closures have contributed to a range of increasing abuses and degradation of children's rights across the world, from increasing use of child labor to a rise in child marriages, often in communities where children already struggled to access education. While it is too soon for large-scale evidence to emerge, across the world, human rights groups are seeing children increasingly taking on work as school closures take their toll. A Save the Children report out this week warns that in Lebanon, children are being put into work by parents desperate for money. The charity fears many of the children will never return to school. Jennifer Moorhead, the charity's Lebanon director, said, quote, We are already witnessing the tragic impact of this situation, with children working in supermarkets or in farms, and girls forced to get married, end quote. In Uganda, schools have been closed since March 2020, putting 15 million pupils out of education. Only certain classes with exams coming up have been allowed to return. The rest will return in a staggered way in the coming months, though thousands of girls will not, having become pregnant or been married off in the intervening period. In the Gulu district in the north of the country, Ambrose is making bricks under the burning sun for pennies rather than attending classes. His plight is part of a wider rise in children working in the region. The 11-year-old boy, who suffers from an aching back and rashes across his body, says, quote, making bricks is very hard, end quote. The children here still have fun, sometimes finding time to play hide-and-seek or perform tricks with skipping ropes. But Ambrose does not know if he will ever go back to school. His mother worries about the physical impact this is having on her children. She says, quote, bricks bring problems. Physically, you feel pain in your arms, end quote. But she can't see any other way for them to survive. Girls have been particularly hit hard by the closure of schools across the world. In countries such as Afghanistan, teenage girls already had a high dropout rate, with about 2.2 million girls not in school before the pandemic. Now, groups supporting them fear that an increase in early marriage will leave even those who want to continue their education unable to do so. In Kabul, 15-year-old Katema is recovering from the death of her baby after a brutal and damaging labor. Doctors believe it was linked to her young age. Her mother, Marzia, says, quote, she is still in shock. She thinks the baby is being kept alive in a machine somewhere, so we are not forcing her to accept the truth. We will tell her when we take her home, end quote. Her father decided she had to be married when her school was shut in March last year because of the pandemic. Katema's father immediately felt under pressure to find her a husband. Her father was worried that she would bring shame on the family by being at home without proper supervision. He decided to marry her to a farmer much older than her, and they rushed the ceremonies to ensure that Katema would be moved to her husband's house before the lockdowns started. Her mother says, quote, I wanted her to finish her education, but no one listens to me, end quote. Katema says, quote, I loved going to school. I only had one more year left, so it felt really bad when I was asked to leave. I was good at it too. I even wanted to go to the university someday. No one asked me if I wanted to marry, end quote. Schools in Kabul have finally begun to open in the past week, and Katema hopes she might return and avoid 
becoming one of the millions of pupils whose education ends permanently during the pandemic. While remote learning has become a familiar concept during the pandemic, it is not a panacea, particularly in areas with poor connectivity or where parents cannot afford to pay for internet access. For children with disabilities, remote learning can exacerbate those difficulties. In Colombia, 12-year-old Andre joins classes on his parents' mobile phone from his village near the Venezuelan border on the Catatumbo River. The area's frequent lightning storms regularly knock the internet out of action. Quote, it's not the same seeing your teacher on a screen, he says. The connection is always breaking up, end quote. Andre has spastic paraplegia, which impairs his speech and makes it particularly difficult for him to participate, even when the screen does not freeze. Across Latin America and the Caribbean, 114 million children are still out of school, more than anywhere else in the world. Some public schools in Colombia's capital, Bogota, have resumed in-person teaching. However, in rural regions such as Catatumbo, where Andre lives, and where it is most needed, most remain closed. Towns like his are hotspots for cocoa production, the base ingredient of cocaine, and the conflict between armed groups vying for control of it. The number of children who have disappeared in the past year has surged as families have been pushed into poverty and have lost the teachers who watched over them, says Save the Children Columbia. Local groups are concerned that they have been recruited into armed groups or are working on cocoa plantations. Quote, a lot of kids have dropped out due to financial issues, says Andre's mother, Maria. Of his 40 classmates, around 25 still attend, end quote. Andre hopes that one day he will be able to use complex mechanics and software to develop robotic limbs to help others with similar physical impairments to his own. He says, quote, I like technology a lot, end quote. Maria says, quote, we always tell him that he may not be able to walk, but that he can do amazing things with his brain. And I say, I might not be able to give you these things, but if you study, one day you can give what we can't give you to your children, end quote. TheGuardian.com. Well, here's hoping that when it comes to that last part about growing up and having children, they're able to do that, and or safely. Because the way things are going right now, it's not looking so good. According to the New York Times, more pregnant women died, experienced complications, or delivered stillborn babies during the pandemic than in previous years, according to an analysis of 40 studies in 17 countries published in the journal Lancet Global Health. Pregnant women face a heightened risk of severe illness and death if infected with the coronavirus. But the researchers in Turkey and the United Kingdom wanted to assess collateral damage from the pandemic on pregnancy and delivery, and so excluded from their analysis those studies that focused only on pregnant women who were infected. Reviewing data on more than 6 million pregnancies, the investigators found evidence that disruptions to healthcare systems and patients' fear of becoming infected at clinics may have led to avoidable deaths of mothers and babies, especially in low- and middle-income countries. Data from a dozen studies showed that the chances of a stillbirth increased by 28%, and the risk of women dying while pregnant or during childbirth increased by more than a third in two countries, Mexico and India. A subset of studies that assessed mental health showed that postpartum depression and anxiety were also heightened during the pandemic. Nearly six times as many women needed surgery for ectopic pregnancy 
pregnancies in which a fertilized egg grows outside the uterus during the pandemic than before. Ectopic pregnancies can be treated with medications if detected early, so the results suggest that the surgeries may have resulted from delays in care. The analysis did not find differences in other conditions associated with pregnancy, like gestational diabetes or high blood pressure, or in the rates of cesarean sections or induced labor. The rates of preterm birth also did not change significantly during the pandemic in low- and middle-income countries, but in high-income countries, preterm births fell by nearly 10%. The drop may be a result of changes in healthcare delivery and in pregnant women's behavior during the pandemic, the researchers said, indicating that the pandemic has exacerbated disparities between low- and high-income countries. NYTimes.com Well, gee, those are some fun statistics. And so are these. One American news network reports that violent crime is on the rise nationwide and is showing no signs of letting up. According to preliminary FBI data for 2020, the murder rate increased by about 25% last year while reaching above 20,000 for the first time since 1995. The data showed other crimes such as rape, robbery, and assault shot up exponentially as well. This reportedly marks the largest increase in violence since the 1960s. Experts said the rise cannot be attributed to any one factor, but they noted it's highly likely the effects of the pandemic are partially responsible. They pointed out there has been an increase in mental health-related issues, especially among young people, since the start of the COVID-19 lockdowns. Some experts have called the past year, quote-unquote, a perfect storm, which has led to the uptick in violent crime. They particularly cited the Black Lives Matter protests and riots, the decrease of police funding in cities nationwide, as well as the economic collapse amid coronavirus restrictions. OANN.com. And crime isn't the only thing on the rise these days. Health Impact News reports, as can be expected when new experimental quote-unquote vaccines that are not approved by the FDA are given emergency use authorization to fight a quote-unquote pandemic that is now over a year old, reported deaths following the injections of these shots have now skyrocketed in the U.S population by over 6,000% at the end of the first quarter of 2021, as compared to recorded deaths following FDA-approved vaccines at the end of the first quarter of 2020. These new products, which many doctors and scientists claim do not even meet the legal definition of a vaccine, are described by the manufacturers themselves as quote-unquote operating systems called the quote software of life, end quote. And prior to COVID, they have never been approved to be used on human populations. There are literally thousands of doctors and scientists around the world who have spoken out against these experimental injections, some even calling them biological weapons of mass destruction. Their voices are censored in the pharma-controlled corporate media and by big tech. So the people dying and becoming injured by these injections aren't known by the pro-vaccine people who primarily only get their information from these censored sources that are funded by Wall Street corporate billionaires such as Bill Gates. The CDC Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, VAE, 
CERS, a U.S. government-funded database that tracks injuries and deaths reported to be caused by vaccines, reported only 36 deaths during the first quarter of 2020 through March 31st, and almost 50% of those deaths were infants below the age of three. Since today, the day this report is being written and published is the last day of March 2021, we do not have complete stats from VAERS on injuries and deaths following vaccination yet. But here's what we know based on what the CDC has published through yesterday, March 30th, 2021. The last data dump into VAERS was published last week on March 26th, 2021, and it listed 2,050 deaths following the experimental COVID injections. However, some of those deaths following the COVID injections occurred in December 2020, when the Pfizer and Moderna shots were issued emergency use authorizations by the FDA. So we ran the report for this year, 2021, from which we know the data is only current through March 19th, 2021, and it showed 1,754 deaths following all vaccines, not just the COVID injections. 80% of these recorded deaths were among seniors over the age of 65. How is this not a national tragedy that should be headline news everywhere? As noted, there are 2,050 deaths recorded following COVID injections as of March 19th, but those include some deaths in December 2020. Yesterday, the CDC reported that deaths following COVID injections are now 2,509. That is an increase of 459 deaths from what the CDC reported through VAERS through March 19th. So 1,754 plus these 459 deaths gives us the total deaths so far through March 2021, which is 2,213. Although after the next data dump into the VAERS, this number will increase even more when we add the non-COVID vaccine deaths also. That is an increase of over 6,000% from last year during the same period. The increase in deaths reported is most certainly related to the new experimental COVID injections, and yet the CDC and FDA's position is that not one of these deaths are related to the COVID injections. The CDC and FDA are criminal organizations run by big pharma insiders controlled by the Wall Street billionaires and bankers. Their main interest is in protecting big pharma and their products, and not the health of the public. Those in the public who continue to trust them for accurate medical advice will suffer dearly, many with their own lives, as seen happening right now in the first quarter of 2021, with a 6,000% increase in deaths by injection. So far, these tragic deaths are among the foolish who drank the COVID Kool-Aid and did not bother to research these new medical products themselves first, blindly trusting in so-called health authorities like Anthony Fauci and Bill Gates, who are mass murderers. But once all of these pro-vaccine people eager to get the COVID software of life have been injected with this new human operating system, which will need constant updates, i.e. booster shots, the eugenicists will turn their attention to the so-called vaccine hesitant, and they have all their ducks lined up in a row now. They control the corporate mass media, including big tech, and they also control the American judicial system. At the very top, we are dealing with psychopaths, and their goals are to control the world's financial system, reduce the world's population, and destroy the family 
and take over control of raising children for their own evil purposes. The time is short now where not a single person on this planet will be exempt from making very difficult choices that will no longer be optional. Healthimpactnews.com Well, there you go, folks. I hope that satisfies your appetite for elephants in the room. Wait, what's that? What do you mean I didn't get to the elephant in the room? Okay, alright, alright. Tune in next time, and, and I promise you we'll, we'll do that. For the ACR, I'm Adam Clark, and this has been The Daily Ruckus for Monday, April 5th, 2021. For more information, please visit alternatecurrentradio.com.